Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the inaugural. Inaugural? How do you say that word? Inaugural? The first. <laughs> Let's not try to be cerebral about this. No. The first episode of the Dear Bear Book Club podcast. Woo! Hi, Kirsty. Hi, Nikki. <laughs> This is so crazy. It feels like we should be talking to other people, but I'm just talking to you. Yeah. So I don't really know. Be as calm as possible. I'm just talking to Nikki. It's like we would do any other day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's other people are gonna hear us. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it, I think. Um, so why don't you Kirsty, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh tell us how you got into reading? Um, well, I I think I've always been interested in reading. I read a lot as a child, um, probably way more than I do now. Um, actually, <laughs> know, that is a fact. <laughs> I read way more <laughs> as a child than I do now. Um, but I have always really enjoyed reading, um, was a really passionate reader in school. I loved doing anything to do with reading. And I suppose that just kind of transitioned into adult life too. I love being in bookstores and like surrounded by books. Mm. But and my whole apartment is covered in books. <laughs> Do I have to the time to read them all? Are all the books in my apartment read? Absolutely not. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. They're just such a good like way of not being in the real world and to be honest do we want to be in the real world right now no not at all (laughs) sister we want to be as far away from that as possible so delving back into reading this past year has been a real nice thing even though some of the stuff that i've read has just been the trashiest of novels but that's okay you gotta have some trash in your life yeah definitely and I also read some like classics for the first time. I read Animal Farm last year for the first time. Um, that, that's that that one's a real bummer. I can't believe you read that I in know. the middle of the pandemic. I did. That was when, like, me and my husband Joseph thought that we could like do an apartment book club. Um, <laughs> the next book he gave me was like a full on history book, and I was like, um, "Dude, <laughs> no, this is not what I'm here for. I'm here for the fun times, uh, not the hard times." and uh, at least your husband like wants to read with you my husband like hates reading but however actually he we like the the one book that we actually read he's read and i've read was called god what's it called i can't even remember it was about um vampires okay it was like it was like no not twilight not twilight (laughs) although i have read that one as well yes um um god I can't. and they made a movie about it and it starred that guy john c Riley. no is that his name yeah, yeah curly john hair Cena. yeah yeah um the movie was horrible but the books are actually excellent and it's kind of the same as like um harry potter i would say how it's like okay the books kind of grow up as like the character grows up okay. if that makes sense oh, so it's like um... the the first book is like a kids book, but then like by the end of the series, it gets like really kind of dark and serious. So that was the, that's the only book that we've like both read together. He got me to read them, and I actually did actually really enjoy them. Is but it he's the Cirque de Freak series. Yes, yes, exactly. Vampire's yeah. Assistant. Mm-hmm. 
that's the first yeah, one quick google um yeah good good Kersey's on the google that's good <laughs> i don't like not knowing things <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like i have a pretty a pretty uh same story but although when i i remember very vividly how i got into writing or into reading because when i was in first grade and we were like starting to learn to read Mm-hmm. I remember this this really should tell you like about me being an anxious child because I was so freaked out that I was not going to be able to learn to read. That oh, just no. that, that really set the set the tone for like my whole yeah. childhood and honestly my adulthood. Yeah, <laughs> I have like, a very deep fear of not being good at things. So, yeah, yeah that, I just uh, yeah. won't start things because I'm yeah. like, well, I, I want to be good at it. I think that's exactly what it is for me. I was like, I was just terrified that I wasn't going to be able to learn to read. And I have a memory of my first book being about a farmer named Mark, which I don't know how much of that is true and how much of it is like made up in my head because my dad was a farmer named Mark. <laughs> well, so I don't know if it was true or if I made it up, but... I you, was so pleased that I had learned to read that day that I like ran home to my parents and I was like, I can read. And my parents were like, yeah, we always knew you would be able to learn to read. Like, I don't know what your deal is. And I was yeah, just like, like I, I comment know. Nikki. Um, yeah, that's so funny. I, when you were saying about having like a memory of that, I was like trying to think of like, oh, do I remember like the first time I was reading or anything? But I remember the first time I wrote something. Really? It was like the first tale that I ever wrote. And fair enough. It was the class that we were like it was whatever like grade one here which is primary one in the uk i think mm. those translate equally mm. anyway um the teacher gave us the this piece of paper that had six squares on it but it had like a picture of like a kid like dressing up from like a dressing up box and you had to um describe to the teacher what the story was so she would write down what you like thought this like storyboard was for this tale and i remember i said that the person was dressing up to be a farmer (laughs) so that's kind of funny that is funny (laughs) that is funny that a farmer appeared in both of those for us Um, connects that's interesting um yeah and then like i think my mom was always really into reading so i think that's how how i like I always saw her reading maybe and that's why she had so many books in the house like so many books and she and my aunts would always like trade books so there was always Mm -hmm. books in the house and um but the thing that got us reading together was Harry Potter in third grade I started I brought home the the first Harry Potter book from the, the school library and she was like let's read it together because she wanted to read it and yeah. so we read every single book together all the way up until the seventh book when I was in high school and we read it together, even oh. when I was in high school. So that's like, that's so sweet. One of my favorite like reading memories. And like, I know that like when and if I have children, like that'll be, I can't wait. I won't be able to wait for them to, to, to read Harry Potter because that's going to be like my one thing well, that we have to do together. I really hope my kids like to read because yeah. I don't even know if I could handle it. Well, they also have... um picture books of harry potter that's they're right. really like chunky but like those like i want to own them because they're very beautiful pieces of like yeah. artwork um so i think One that day. that will be like what i would really want um yeah. yeah in our apartment we do have one kid's book um that i like bought um 
for Valentine's Day for Joseph. Uh, just oh, yeah. I, I thought it was really cute. And um, this last year, we went through like a phase of listening to TikToks. Yeah. And <laughs> there was this little girl. I think her name's Fren Rosenthal. It's something like that. And she wrote, she's like a four-year-old, I think. And she started detailing this little story called Dinosaurs in Love. <laughs> Very cute. Um, that sounds cute. And she like actually sings it on TikTok. So it's this like cute little girl being like, dinosaurs eating people. Oh my god. Oh, dinosaurs that sounds in love. <laughs> and it's so sweet. Um, yeah, it at one point like all the dinosaurs die and it's very oh. like existential for like a four-year-old. Um yeah, but, but it's very sweet. But that's the only one we have because as much as your husband doesn't really read a lot mine that's basically his job is to read um so he always has a book in his hand and yeah that phd life um of just reading history books all the time i can't i can't imagine because honestly when i was in school i did like school but whenever i had to read whenever i was forced to read a book i was like well i don't want to now yeah or forced like, to read a particular book i was yeah. like well, i don't want to read that i, I love pick- to read it but i yeah. like anytime somebody was like you have to read this book i was like no i'm not doing that yeah so um know. yeah he i always the book ended, up, I ended up passing so i don't know i don't know how i ended up doing that but english was my favorite uh, favorite subject but i just oh. like fucking hated reading anything that they told me i had to read <laughs> English was not my favorite subject. Really? No. What was your favorite subject? Art. Okay. Yeah. Art and that design. Makes sense. Yeah. That, that tracks. Was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I was very good at English though, but as soon as I could drop it as a like a course, I got that dropped because I think I just didn't really enjoy the people who were teaching me it. Mm. Um, I think for you to really enjoy like English and literature, you have to have like a really like I don't know, a really solid teacher for it, and I just—that's true. I just have enthused. a lot. Of- One of my teachers made me feel very anxious and stressed, so I yeah. just—I think that just didn't help. Um, yeah, the case at I, all. I had a lot of really great teachers, so maybe that—maybe that's what it was. And I like, like I, we've been talking about, I love to read and I love to write. Mm-hmm. So whenever I got to read something that was like my own, like I got to choose what I read, I like, it was a great time. Whenever I got to write a story, I loved it. So, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't so keen on the writing of things. Mm. Um, that yeah. was not my forte um, at all. But yeah, reading—it's fun. <laughs> great, great segue. <laughs> so I guess that's why this is a segue to why we started this. Why we decided to start this podcast, I think, is because. Well, the two of us really enjoy reading, and, and we like last to talk year about it we like to other. talk about it. And last year, is it last year? One of us gave us gave each other a book, and then we just started exchanging books back and forth. I literally um, think it was J- Daisy Jones and the Six. Was that the first one? I think so. I think you gave me, a, or was that this year you gave me a book? From, no, that was this year you gave me a book for my birthday. It might have been Daisy Jones oh, yeah. and the Six, though. I think it was. Which stellar. I- Oh my god! Book to have given. Well, I given. mean, it's gonna come back. I'm sure. Yeah. Later in the episode, when we talk about what we're gonna talk about, but like, fuck yeah, that was a good book. And like, I think, I actually I bought it like 
I, I remember because I bought it for my birthday. I bought it for myself for my birthday. It was my own birthday gift. And then I didn't end up reading it for like a year because I read it last year. And I'm pretty sure I bought it like in 2019. Yeah. Which is so funny. Like I have so many books and I'm like, oh, I remember buying that. And then I remember starting to read it. But then I didn't finish it. Well, I always buy these books and I'm like, oh, my God, can't wait to read this book. But then I'm like, I should read books that I already have first. But then it just becomes like a vicious cycle where I'm just like story of my life yeah and i'm just like ugh. but this is going to encourage us to actually read books that we want to read and our books that we have that we haven't read yet so we can get the honest honest perspective on things mm-hmm. yeah well yeah and i think that like like you said like the last year being stuck at home for so for so long mm-hmm. it also made me realize like i was like I have time to do things that I always liked to do. Yeah. But then I was and like, what do what do I like to do? There like because I spent so much time working, I was like, do I have have any hobbies? And then once I had all that time, I was like, I do have hobbies. I just went back to the things I liked as a kid and I was like, well, it's worth it to worth it to give it a shot again. Yeah, tried and true. They were and, good then. <laughs> I mean, it worked. Like I I remember it's so great just to I remember in, in, in quarantine, like, for the first two months of quarantine, I just would, like, wake up, make myself a tea, read my book, play Animal Crossing. It was the best. Yeah. We both had different experiences of that, though, because I still had – well, you had a period of time where you didn't work. Yeah. Um, That's true. I, you were working. I never – yeah, I didn't have – like, apart from when my office usually closes, I still worked all the time. It just shifted to working from home, so – yeah having that work-life balance um, be completely upended. Um, mm-hmm. It got to a point where I was like, okay, I got to do things that I really love. And why wasn't I doing these before? Yeah. I should make more time to do the things that I truly love to do, whether that be crafting and doing things with like different fiber arts or reading. Like those are two things I'm very passionate about. Why am I doing those all the time instead yeah. of just vegging in my own thoughts yeah like a bad place to be (laughs) thought stew like yeah not not the best place to be especially when the world around you seems like it's crumbling apart sure and it still is crumbling apart it's just easier to deal with i think now um we've we've been through so much the last year we've been through so much i think now at least for me it's like i'm just not surprised by anything anymore i'm just like okay sure why yeah. not? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, and I think you know, like what you said about like it being a good, a good escape. I think because mm-hmm. even like as I'm reading books now, I'm like, oh my god, remember? Especially books that were like set, like <laughs> even like pre, like a year ago or like yeah. two years ago. Like I'm like, oh man, remember? Remember when you were allowed to be around people and remember when you were allowed to touch a stranger and and have it not be weird like Oh, I know. It's weird. It's okay. weird and it's like same thing with movies movies and TV shows. It's like remember when you yeah. could be that close to people? So, yeah, and I had a thing about this the other day. So, I was on the train coming home from work and I just like lost my footing a little bit. I, the train kind of unexpectedly stopped before the station and I oh, just yeah. straight up went into this other person. Oh, like my face was almost like in her like chest stomach area, which no! is not the place where you want to be. 
but she was like side on so it wasn't too bad and she was just like whoa you okay which that's happened to me before but pre-pandemic because right now i'm very careful about do not be in the the sphere of other people Mm -hmm. um and i was just like so apologetic and being like oh my god i'm so sorry she's like it's fine and i was like you might be fine but i'm having a crisis behind this mask right now (laughs) and sweating profusely because i just like ended up in the circumference area of a stranger who like who are you touching like if you're okay with this too like (laughs) who is bumping into you all day like yeah yeah well i mean maybe it's a bit different now that i feel like most people i i mean i don't know if i can really say this but like most people are vaccinated so I think maybe it's a bit mm-hmm. different now, but like... Yeah, that also helps because yeah. I was like, she's fairly young. She's probably been vaccinated, but it's still yeah. that whole moment. I was just like, oh my God, no. Yeah. Like this would be embarrassing at the best of times, but like, and then everyone's just like looking and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh God. Because people are talking on the train and they're like, who's talking? Why Why um, are they making noise? Yeah. yeah. So everybody totally. was looking. Yeah. It was great. Anyway, major sidebar there. Um, <laughs> I think that's just what isn't podcast just like yeah. it's just sidebars all over like the place. Maybe maybe like fifteen minutes total or like what we're actually supposed to be talking about. Yeah, which is another thing. Doing things we enjoy. We both enjoy listening to podcasts, so yep. we were like, let's give this a crack. Like, yeah. Um, surely we talk to each other anyway, so why not? Yeah, might as well start recording it. And also, I think yeah. it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're so pretty too. funny. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not to maybe other no people. Yeah, we're hilarious, and we like verified this with two people we trust in our lives, our husbands. Yeah. Um. So maybe, maybe they're, they're not be the, the best only... judgment. <laughs> maybe they're going to be the only two people listening to this ever. But yeah. like, hey, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's. That's the reason for this podcast. I think we just wanted to, and you know, I for me, I, I guess I can't speak for you, but I think I really want to create a community as well of like other people who feel the same way about books and reading as us and want to talk to us and are yeah. as obsessed with it as us and like want to have conversations with us about it. So, like, hopefully, yeah, eventually, and I think that, I, that like goes eventually into that's what it'll be like our like kind of theme that we thought for the first episode um is like can i can i i can release that right well yeah sure yeah let's yeah so like this one is all about (laughs) insta buying which is like if you see an author who's released a new book you're like oh i instantly go buy that which we get excited over that yeah it doesn't matter what it's about we're like oh my god we need to have that book which sharing that enthusiasm with more people would be great because we both feed off of each other when like we're like mm-hmm. oh my god this book new book's been released we need to like talk about it yeah um which is hilarious because what was it a few weeks ago i was like oh my goodness nikki this thing's being released and you're like yeah i told you about that um <laughs> oh it was, was um was daisy that? jones and the six becoming a tv series oh yeah that's right i sent <laughs> you that post on instagram and yeah like, oh my god nikki guess what they're making a tv show yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. I said that to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Oh my God. But no, now I... we can tell more people about yeah. cool book things, like when they're being made into TV shows and stuff. And yes. 
then we can yes. review those too if they actually match up to the wonder of the book. Um, <sighs> I mean, you know, you know how I feel about that, but yeah, I feel like with TV good. shows, <laughs> I know I feel like TV shows, it's you have a better chance of it being good because you have a bit more like yeah. time. And especially, like, I feel like maybe not so much like when we were growing up. TV was a lot different when we were yeah. growing up. And, like, so I, I think it's like okay for, it's... like, kids' books and stuff. That translates very easily to um, TV. But, um, like, adult fiction and young fiction, young adult fiction doesn't always translate very well. Mm-hmm. But um, there is always exceptions to the rule on that. Um, like, Sally Rooney's Normal People. Incredible piece of, like literature but also an incredible tv series and it does really help the two leads are very very attractive um (laughs) i mean i feel like that helps anything right yeah but it definitely helped that um yeah so when i was watching it it was one of those like tv shows when it was being put online they released like odd episode a week Um, oh my god it is the worst we just waited for them to all be released and then binge watched it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, that's no, what, I'm not here for that. That's what we're going through right now with Only Murders in the Building. So we watched a couple episodes one night and then we like binged the rest of it. And then there was only like six episodes. They're releasing one every week. And I was like, oh, are they? Made- yeah. We have made a huge oh. mistake. I don't oh, know no. how many episodes there are going to be, but like, yeah, we watched the last one and then it didn't roll over to the next episode. And I was like, oh, God, what have we done? Yeah, that happened after the first um, episode, or I think they were releasing because the episodes for normal people are, are like half an hour, so they released them in like two half an hour bulks at a time okay. when they released them on uh, CBC Gem. Yeah. But um, now that I know that about that murder one, then I'll maybe just wait because we've only watched the first episode, so mm. um, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay. Well, I guess we're in it now. So, in- yeah. Insta buy authors. Yeah. So uh, other other than the ones that we have chosen, which we'll get into it, is there, like what are your Insta buy authors? Do you think? Oh. Oh, now my mind's coming up with a blank. Oh, Sally Rooney, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally, my microphone is being propped up by her latest book. Um, <laughs> Sally Rooney, beautiful world. Where are you? It, like, got released at the beginning of the month. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited to read that at some point. I'll have to weave that into podcast homework reading. Yeah. So it feels like I'm doing extra stuff, but it's really because I want to. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. really the best thing about doing this is that, like, it's work, mm-hmm. but not really. <laughs> and we can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to I need to get a new book. Oh, why? Oh, it's for the podcast. Yep. Um, yep. I've already used that fun. excuse already. <laughs> and it was great. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, another author. She's based in the UK. Um, Laura Jane Williams. Mm, yeah, you I've, told me about her. Yeah. She, her first book was a biographical book. Um, and then she did like a kind of activity self-help kind of book. And then she's written um, three novels um since i have yet to buy her latest novel but it did come out at the beginning of the like summer season so i just haven't had a chance to put my hands on it yet um but i do have Mm. her other two and they're really good too um and i think those ones too they translate very well to audiobooks if like people like audiobooks too um they're very easy to just listen to um 
while you're going about doing whatever you do while you're listening to audiobooks. Yeah, with audiobooks for me, it definitely has to be like kind of like a lighter. I tried to listen to one that was like about fashion and it was like a really serious like kind of it was almost like poetry Mm -hmm. because I was like, what are you talking about, lady? And I just couldn't focus on it. But like as soon as I like tried an audiobook that was just like fluff, basically, and it was just like a romance, it was just like a story. I was like, yeah, I was into it as soon as I as I did that. So I think it has to be like a specific kind of story for me to like to like audiobooks. Yeah, there was a book that I got on audiobook and I can't remember what it was called, but it was um, an indigenous um, Canadian person who had written the book. And it was just like, oh, this book's going to be really heavy. I'll just like listen to it on my way to work. And then once it started, it was the author themselves who was narrating um, mm-hmm. the audiobook and I was like oh no I can't do that this is way too heavy for me to listen on the way to work yeah. so I gave up that train pretty quickly and was like nope we're gonna switch to real fluffy stuff um, yeah yeah which is also how I read last year they released um uh, Stephanie Meyer released Midnight Sun Oh um, god. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I was really into these as a teenager. I want to know how like the story went. So I did listen to that on audiobook, but it was a light fluffy. Yeah. Well, relatively light and fluffy because it was from like a kind of darker perspective, but um mm-hmm. yeah, I do have all of those on audiobook now. Nice. Just cuz they're good fillers for the ears. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But as for Insta buy people, it's more I don't really do that for audiobooks. Um, definitely when somebody, I get an email of the new releases from like chapters, I have a quick scan through and see whose names I can see pop up. And mm. um, if there's anybody in particular, I try and keep like a mental note of, okay, cool. That's like the beginning of like two months from now. I'll try and remember that that book's coming out. Though usually I don't remember until I go into <laughs> into well, a store I- and then I'm like, ah, Cool. I've read that like pre-ordering is like really good for authors. So yeah. Like, if you want to support authors, you should pre-order their books. So I've started mm-hmm. pre-ordering. So anytime I see something that's like new that I'm like, yes, I got to go for it. I always pre-order. Yeah, which is so, good. But I have bit myself a few times by doing that because I do have two copies of two <laughs> separate books because mm. I forgot I pre-ordered the first one and then <laughs> ordered it again from a different website. Oh my god. Yeah. I've done it twice now. And it was twice within like a very short space of time. Um so <laughs> Joseph was like, What are you doing? Check if you've ordered the book before. Um Or uh, here's what I do. You know what I do? I have a uh, a note in my phone that's like mm-hmm. a list of books I want and then also pre orders that I've done uh, and or I'm w- am waiting to do. So I have it like crossed off the ones that I have. That's a smart ordered. idea. Now I just like put it into my gmail account and try and search the the title so that i yeah know if i've already bought it or at least it can yeah. help me narrow down but um you know i yeah. just gave them as good um gifts to people um yeah there you go yeah so and i mean I obviously like, oh, well. you, you liked them enough to order them twice so yeah it would be an insight into your soul is what i'm saying yeah so that's a I it worked like out that, in I the feel end like that's a good, yeah i feel like but it's yeah. a good gift for people but, but yeah, definitely pre-ordering books, it helps a lot with authors um, for getting, like, another book deal. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So Excuse me, the moral of the story is pre-order your books, people. Yes. And hopefully you didn't hear my burp a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Okay, so you're good. cool. <laughs> if you wouldn't have said anything, I wouldn't have known. Uh. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, well, should we should we start? Yeah. Okay, who's who's well, going to go first? I think I'm going to go first. Cool. I'm going to go first. Okay, so my choice for the theme of Insta by Authors is Beth O'Leary. Yes. And the book that I have reviewed is The Road Trip, her most recent release. Mm -hmm. It was released in 2021 and published by Berkeley. Um, I was going to write a summary, but then I was like, why would I write a summary when they've already done it for me? So uh, here's a summary. (laughs) (laughs) Four years ago, Dylan and Addie fell in love under the province sun. Wealthy Oxford student Dylan was staying at his friend Cherry's enormous French villa. Wild child, which I don't agree with that term to describe her, but whatever. Wild child Addie was spending her summer as the on-site caretaker. Two years ago, their relationship officially ended, and they haven't spoken since. Today, Dylan's and Addie's lives collide again. It's the day before Cherry's wedding, and Addie and Dylan crash cars at the start of their journey there. The car Dylan was driving is wrecked, and the wedding is in rural Scotland. He'll never get there on time by public transport. So along with Dylan's best friend, Addie's sister, and a random guy on Facebook who needed a ride, they squeeze into a space-challenged mini and set off across Britain. Cramped into the same space, Dylan and Addie are forced to confront the choices they made that tore them apart and ask themselves whether the final decision was the right one after all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I did not I did not read anything about this book before I read it. I literally just ordered it because I knew how much I loved Beth O'Leary. Yeah. And just like, so first of all, I just want to say thank you, Kirsty, so much for introducing me to Beth O'Leary. <laughs> You're welcome. I was going to ask if you remembered who introduced you. Oh, obviously. To be like, because it was It me. literally has happened in like such a short span of time. Like I read the flat share around this time last year i think yeah because i read it i think at the beginning of summer last year um and then we were somewhere that the two of us were in the car together oh and i was was like yeah it was when we went to um the like chapters like (gasps) oh yeah that's what it was shopping night yeah and i was like okay i bought a bunch of books from um waterstones which is like a book seller kind of similar to the canadian chapters but in the uk i was like i bought a bunch of stuff from the uk and we were talking about different books and i might have given it to you that day um if it was run about this time last year yeah um but yeah it i had just discovered beth o'leary and it was just because one of her books was like like recommended on um waterstone's website so i was just like yeah sure it looks like a good book and now we love beth O'Leary. Mm-hmm. obsessed with her yeah can't get enough um yeah because i i mean like when i read the flat share i was like i i don't know if i can pick a favorite mm-hmm. to be honest I, like i don't think the road trip is my favorite no and I, I don't think i so wasn't sure like what I, when I started, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, to be honest. I was like, I don't know where this is going, and I'm not really sure. Like, It just felt a bit fluffy at the beginning, and I was like, this is not usually like what Beth O'Leary is about. Mm-hmm. 
I think I think I'm gonna say the switch is my favorite because I love the flat chair, but I think I really resonated with the switch. Yeah, I really resonated with both the the flat chair and the switch, but I I definitely think the switch is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that's only her like the flat chair was her first novel, and the yeah. switch is her second, and the road trips her third, and she's just been knocking them out the park like twenty nine. She has another 2020, one. 2021, and she has another one coming out in. And she just spring. had a baby. I know. This Jesus woman. Christ, I can barely, like, get myself to ready in the morning to have breakfast, let alone, Ugh, like, pump the books out and a child. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know how she does it because, like, I'm exhausted when I get home and, like, mm-hmm. nothing productive happens after I get home from work, basically. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I did I did enjoy the road trip because I also read this book at the beginning of the summer. Um, yeah. But- oh, no. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And it's definitely still, her, like, on on par for her like kind her of writing every, yeah yeah like everything about it is great mm-hmm. i if we're, i just if we're like parsing here I, the switch is my favorite of the yeah. Beth books but i mean it it just goes to show why she's an instant buy author for me is every book that she's written that i've read i mean well there's only three but like it's been so great it's just every everything has been great mm-hmm. and it's just crazy to think that like she's done it so quickly and also like had a baby in in yeah. the middle of it all yeah impressive um yeah so like i said i wasn't really sure about this book but do you know what sold me on it i think you'll probably be able to tell because i sent you a text every single time <laughs> oh yeah um the <laughs> fact that taylor swift is mentioned every hot right. second in the book <laughs> that is right yeah so there's something you should all know about me and that's the fact that i'm obsessed with taylor swift always has been and i probably always will be and she can do no wrong for me and she <laughs> is like my ba- like i might love her more than my husband I, I i probably love them both the same but in different ways <laughs> yeah that that is a very good answer because <laughs> he can so, probably hear you so yeah so as soon like as soon as like i saw her name in the book i was like send a picture to kirsty here she is i love it yep and it's so funny because like like there's like five instances in the book let's see how many i I ended up marking them one two three four five six six instances Mm -hmm. when taylor swift is is named and it's like within the first i don't know i'd say 50 pages 60 pages maybe oh yeah it's very early on so like i literally the last the last mention of her i start i was like okay i gotta go back and like mark them because this will be such a funny thing to talk about on the podcast mm-hmm. like how many times taylor swift has mentioned and then literally like that was the last time you heard about her yeah <laughs> and i was like oh my fucking god like that of course would happen to me but anyway still i love it and beth o'leary if you ever listen to this girl mm-hmm. i see you taylor swift is the best thank you for including her in your ac- excellent work of r- literature and we love you. We love you also. And, and we think like, you're a powerhouse. Follow us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. So the, like, the next thing that I have have in my notes is that, like, are, are all of her books from two different pr- perspectives? I think they are. They're all written from, like, two different people's Yeah, which the first time when we read The Switch... Or not the switch. Um, why am I blanking here? Oh, the flat chair. Um, 
I was like, oh, this is a really neat perspective. Um, and now it seems to be her trend. And I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not mad about it. No. Um, I like it. I just and think it takes- this one's a little bit different because it goes back in time. Yes. Whereas the other ones are oh always are in present day. <laughs> I wonder if we have this written down. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, I just think it takes, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I just, like, I don't know how I would do it, but I just think it takes such a talented author to, like, take two different characters' perspectives and make them seem like they're being written from two two different people's yeah. point of like, view. Yeah, because it is often, like, in real life, it's very hard sometimes to even think of, like, oh, well, this is how somebody else is going through this. Like, have mm-hmm. that perspective to be like, okay, exactly. well, maybe don't freak out about it as much because they're going through something else. But to, like have that with a book you have to be like in the vision of both of those people and hearing what their thoughts are um because often you hear of like authors and they like say that the character like wouldn't shut up and that's why they had to like write about them is because they were like in their mind which must be a cool thing to like have like fuck it's only my thoughts that are bouncing around in my head not other people shouting at me um so if you have that you maybe need some like medical help but (laughs) authors it seems to be the thing um but to just even have that and be able to like flesh out two different perspectives of like events that happened to them like i don't know it's just very impressive yeah and like you said like with this one how it's like going back in time like from when Mm -hmm. they first met to like now and like and even like the two different timelines kind of I don't know if you noticed this but like I noticed that like there was like kind of she was leaving breadcrumbs yeah that would kind of be pulled forward or pulled back like so like there was like the obvious ones of like the two emergency room stories lining up Mm -hmm. but like also just like the entire the entirety of Deb's story like like her like seeing her in the past and then knowing what happened to her in the future was just like such an interesting way because you you can really see the growth of the character yeah because she was such a party girl when she like in the past Mm -hmm. but you also have the information like yeah because very early on a mother now yeah very early on um Adi like says something about like wanting to be a mom and she's like ha no but then we already know that she's had a baby so it's just like oh like that's really um neat that there's like those perspectives and like things jumping back and forth that you kind of have to like I don't know pick up on and really pay attention and I think that like it's interesting because like you kind of want it kind of makes you want to keep reading like you mm-hmm. kind of want to be like okay so like what ha- what happened between then and now to change to change your mind yeah and not even just like what happened between then just for like Deb's character but all of them like for mm-hmm. a very long time you don't know really the circumstances why Addie and Dylan broke up yeah and everyone kind of seems to have a different perspective on like, well, it seems like Deb and Addy and Dylan are all on the same page, but um, Marcus has, like, a completely different perspective on what happened. Yeah. And um, 
oh my goodness, what's the guy who ends up randomly in the car's name? Rodney. Rodney. And he's just like oblivious. Yeah. All of this. Yeah. But um, even that, to have like three people who are kind of on the same page, but one person who's like not on the same page as them, it's just kind of neat. Um, well, yeah. And I think that's a helpful tool like for a lot of like, I feel like a lot of authors use that because it like gives... I don't think she uses it, like, overly much, but, like, it kind of gives an excuse to, like, explain the story a bit. Mm -hmm. And also have depth to the character, too, as to why that they are thinking the way that they're thinking, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I just thought that that was really interesting, and, like, it's it's a cool way to read books. I don't always love that when when authors do it but i think she does she does it really well and i think that that's one of her one of the things that she does really well and that what that's what makes her such a great author Mm -hmm. um so you you know this about me but i don't (laughs) i don't like to read emotional books (laughs) yeah i don't like to feel i don't know i don't like to feel emotions i have a lot of emotions and i feel like i'm a very emotional person but i don't like to be forced Maybe that's just my personality is that I just don't like to be forced into doing anything. (laughs) But this is like we are two opposite people when it comes to this because I will watch movies knowing that I'm going to like sob during the movie. Whereas like you actively avoid that. Whereas I'm like coat me in the emotions. Emotions need to be felt. And like not that you don't have that at all, but I'm like bring on any sort of like book or film um but i also cry a lot and like cry in public places too which is not always the best like i once finished a book on a plane that was a very upsetting book and joseph was like are you okay and i'm like i'm fine just leave me to cry it's all okay and he was like but you're sobbing and i'm like i know i'm sobbing (laughs) it was very sad and i'm pretty sure the guy across the aisle from me was like she is lost her goddamn mind um and maybe i have a little bit but yeah we are both complete opposites when it comes to (laughs) yeah i mean i don't i don't want to say that i'm i don't think i'm an an, unemotional person it's not about that it's just that i think for me it's like i i feel things really deeply i think and i think that i like it affects me a lot and I think that's why I don't yeah. like to watch scary movies is because like it will stick with me for yeah. fucking months. Like when we watched Hereditary, like I'm still scared of Hereditary mm-hmm. and I still think about it and I still get like anxious. It makes I me think anxious. we're both just very empathetic people, very like um, when people are feeling things, we both absorb that as feelings. Like I get secondhand embarrassment yep. all the time mm-hmm. and I feel that we both have that, but we just both um, lean into it in different ways. Yeah. Um, Well, I yeah, I mean, so that's the thing for me. It's just like, because I think I feel things that deeply, it's just like, I I would rather avoid it if I mm -hmm. don't have to, you know? Yeah. But I think that's why I love Beth O'Leary's writing so much is because she takes all these really serious and like really emotional topics and she like weaves them into her stories in such a way that it's like it's still light it's still a great beach read like you don't have to be like it's it's not hard to read like everything is really easy easily understood and all that kind of stuff but it's like all of these really serious really emotional 
things that it still may like it makes you think about the book long after you're finished because it's just like she she makes you confront all of these like topics that like you you'd rather avoid i guess mm-hmm. maybe is the term but like yeah. i just that i think that's why she makes everything very relatable like y- yes. there's always yeah. moments where you're like oh my god i felt this maybe different yeah. situation but i have felt this in my life yeah um and i think like a couple of those topics for me i thought was really interesting was the i thought it was really interesting how she dealt with men with mental illness yeah in this book because like i think i don't know if i don't know if they like actually come out and say it but i think dylan does talk about like being depressed yep i'm pretty sure he does and like and marcus has like his own things and then they and then they talk about going to therapy Mm -hmm. and i'm like that is such and i think like now it's definitely more acceptable to talk about it these days because there's so much talk about mental health and like going to therapy and talking to counselors Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but i still think like it's a huge problem that men feel like they can't talk about their problems or Mm -hmm. that they need to be the stronger ones in the relationship because they're the men yeah it it definitely feels like a bold uh modern move um It shouldn't have to be that way, but it definitely right. it's it's good that authors are highlighting that all of these things are very acceptable and yeah. that there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I think that the more that we promote that, particularly within um, any sort of um, media that people consume, um, the easier it becomes to become more accepted. Well, and I think she did a really great job of it because mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's just there. Yeah. Like, they don't really... They, she doesn't really talk about it being a bad thing, a good thing, anything. It's just, it's the way it is. And he, I think he ends up eventually taking medication. He he, he seeks help. Yeah, which is the condition. major thing. And, and yeah, so I just thought that that was like a really great way to portray, to portray that. And you're right. I think it is like really important to be, to be talking about it and to be talking about it more because everybody especially especially in the last year like everybody nobody's doing okay so like to be able to like reach out to people and be like i'm not doing okay i think it's really like it was a really important thing to be to being human because no nobody's okay and like that's fine yeah it's just just need to ask for the help yeah and we need to talk about it more because the more you talk about it and it's, it's like one of those things that you never want to talk about it, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it we is shouldn't be doing that. Um, and just yeah. like taking that deep breath and being like, I I need help or I, I just need someone to talk to. And in the same vein as that, I thought it was interesting how she developed the friendship between Marcus and Dylan. Yeah, that one really S- developed over time. And so, yeah, well, and I mean, so and like it's it's stated in like the beginning kind of like before you know like what the deal is like how close they were and they've been close for a really long time they were like childhood friends and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but like so the the passage that i have kind of relates to that so let me just let me just read it here and okay okay here it is 
I cry when I get into the water. It hurts. It feels like someone has bitten off the tips of my fingers. Marcus holds my hand tight. You're okay, he keeps saying. You're all right. I don't know what I do- I'm do. i doing, I say, and my shoulders shake. I don't know. I don't know what I'm meant to do. I'm losing myself, aren't I? I remember suddenly that my phone is out there in the woods somewhere with all those messages from my father waiting for me in the dark, and I shudder so hard I splash Marcus with water. He swears quietly, letting go of my hand for a moment to brush the drops off his t-shirt, put his hand back in mine before I have time to be afraid. Nobody knows what they're doing, Marcus tells me. Lie back. Go on. You need to get your whole body in the water. You should stop thinking so hard, Dylan. You're your, you're your own worst enemy. Dad wants me to work for his business. There's a fine crack running down the center of the ceiling. I trace it with my eyes, tipping my head back, letting the water touch the crown of my head. Fuck your dad. He's been controlling your life forever. Make your own choice. I did. I have. It's not making your own choice if it's for a girl. I flex my hands. My fingers still hurt. I look down. My toes are yellow-white. How do I know I'm making my own choice then? You go with your gut. I am going with my gut. You're going with your dick, and working for your dad, that'd be going with your head. I'm talking gut. The thing that you know deep down makes the most sense. The thing that's the truest to who you are. To be true to yourself, you have to have a, a sense of self to work with. I've always had your back, haven't I? Marcus lowers our joined hands into the water. I just thought, like, that was, like, a really... Like, that was the first... When I read that that scene, I was like, whoa. Like, this is a serious friendship. And I think that they kind mm -hmm. of... Talk like talk about it a bit like are like are they in love like i kind of thought maybe that's where the book was going yeah i thought but that marcus was like gonna like come out and admit that he'd always been in love with dylan yeah and i was like oh i don't really know how i feel about that if that's where this is heading um yeah and to my recollection that's not that doesn't happen though no <laughs> um okay cool no no, no. um but for a brief moment i was like oh this is an interesting route to take and i don't know if it's good and i'm glad that she didn't take it down that route because i think that would have been kind of like a a trope that has been yeah. done before um yeah so just to know that if you do have a friend that will like hold you in the shower while you're at your absolute worst um mm -hmm. like it's okay if it's two guys who are just friends they don't have to be um in love with each other or anything like that you can be there for another guy friend and do that yeah um, yeah yeah so i mean that's why i thought it was interesting that she also add added that element of people being like well are they in love like mm -hmm. and then to have it not like not come out on the end and be that yeah because it just yeah like you said it just shows that like that's what male friendship can be you can touch each other and like be intimate kind of in mm -hmm. that way and have it not be like and i think that's like a lot of what female friendship is yeah we it's a for, lot for some people yeah it's a lot easier as um like females to touch each other and like hold each other's hand walking down the street or like mm -hmm. do any of those things for guys it's a lot different and whenever it's perceived as something else it's like yeah like are they in love with each other and it's like no like why yeah, are we labeling guys with this like yeah yeah so i just thought that those were like two like 
things that she touched on that was was like really interesting and just like something that I'd never really seen before in in any other book that I'd read. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I wanted to touch on was the like oh my god like I I this is the whole book for me was the way that she wrote. Like, I felt all the feelings when they were going through all the relationship. And I just mm-hmm. thought it was so interesting how, like, she wrote them meeting and, like, doing the whole falling in love thing. and But then also had them transitioning into a long-term couple. Because I feel like you don't get to see that a lot in, like, in lots of the books that you read. Because most of the books you read that are, like, you know termed as romance that's it's the peak. like yeah it's the peak it's the start it's like the beginning how they meet how they fall in love and then that's kind of it they end up together and that's the end of the book or that there's something that they have to overcome and then they end up back together again right so like i just like i was feeling it i, w- I just loved it so much because it literally as a person who's been a- in a long-term relationship for almost 10 years now i was like this this is literally what it's like mm-hmm. because when you first meet and you're first like you're just you're in it it's like everything is about them you can't you can't see past anything else mm-hmm. you're just they can do no wrong really exactly and like there's nothing that you don't like about them and you're you think that it's going to be like this forever that's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like you're gonna be like sunshine and like in rainbows for the rest of life. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not yeah, always exactly. sunshine and rainbows. But then it's like, like eventually you got you got to come down from that because, and it's hard. It is really hard to come down from from that. Like, I guess I don't know if you want to call it the honeymoon phase. I don't know if that's the correct term for it. For it, but like, it's really really hard mm-hmm. to come down from that feeling you feel like you're like is this the end like it honestly kind of feels like it's the end because you're like am i never gonna feel that way again mm-hmm. are but i we never gonna be that passionate again but i think and, yeah. there's something like super magical when you do celebrate like the mundane everyday life sure. and but that's never ever celebrated within um movies or like books generally speaking it's always like oh this is how so passionate we are about each other it's not about like you both like to snuggle up on the sofa and um like just not even snuggle on the sofa sometimes I just want to sit on my side of the sofa and that's okay (laughs) too and yeah not even like having like just like a lot of that you have to have like the physical connection they don't really the glorifiedness n- never really comes with like the emotional connection that you can have of just like receiving yeah. a text in the morning, just being like, "Did you get to work okay?" Mm-hmm. or "Can you go pick this up from the store?" Like you see it sometimes in like movies and things like that, but never to the extent of like anything that's real. But I suppose in some ways that would make for like a boring movie, but when it is like <laughs> celebrated or like you see that like not even celebrated but just even see that be portrayed in a book like it's reassuring that your life is okay like yeah it doesn't have to be all of this like fanfare of things all the time it can just be like i don't know regular um yeah whatever regular well, is think, for people too 
I think that that's important for people to see because I mean, especially when I was a teenager, I was like, love has to be like a hundred percent all the time in order for it to be mm-hmm. anything real. But I don't think that's true at all. No. And I think that's a really dangerous like view to have. So I think that like, I think that any book that's like this, I kind of like shows people transitioning and it's hard. Obviously it didn't work out for them because they ended up breaking up. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like just transition, like the fact that he was like living with her parents, like in her parents' house for a while while he was like finding a place of his own. It's like, that's the real shit. That's the real shit that happens in life. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't work out either when you have somebody that lives with you, um, particularly through, I'd say, like your early 20s. Hmm. Um, sometimes that shit doesn't work out. And yeah. You gotta like start fresh, um, or at least that was the case for me, because um, I was in a relationship and the person lived with me at my parents' house, and there was this expectation to for everything to be rosy all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, that especially when there's was other people there, rosy. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, we've been ten lucky out of ten. Enough. Do not recommend. <laughs> We've been lucky enough to, like, live, well, I guess not for long. We're moving into my in-law's basement. I don't know if that's a good idea. But anyway, (laughs) um, we've been lucky enough, like, over our adult lives to, other than, like, when we were living in our parents' houses before we lived together, like, we, together, we've never lived with a roommate or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important, too. And also, we moved across the country. Yeah. To, like, somewhere where we didn't know anybody. So... But I mean, that's fucking dangerous. I we on we still think about it to this day, like how fucking stupid that was for us to do. Yeah, and because even it like, could have gone so badly. Like yeah. it could have gone the worst way, like the opposite possible way. And I like I'm glad that it worked out. And obviously, like I'm so happy. But it's like when you only have that other person, you have nobody else. It can either go really great or really, really poorly. Yeah, and even, like, ours was slightly different because we were, like, a little bit older, too, when we um, moved across the country to be together. But you guys had dated for, like, a little bit longer than we had before you guys moved, I think. we had. Uh, yeah, we were together for about two years before we moved out. Oh, yeah, we were about two years. But for one of those years, um, Joseph studied abroad for a year. So, like, right. we didn't, like, live together, really. Um, we lived yeah. for together for a summer, and then we moved across the country. And that's tough. <laughs> you learn yeah. a lot. You learn a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't have any regrets about it. But no. now looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, that was stupid. Yeah. Um, and I, we, I had the full support of my parents and everything for that. But, like, my mom gave me a solid piece of advice, and she's like, get don't get a studio apartment get something that has a door (laughs) so you can close it and you can separate yourself from each other um and that yeah was needed at times yeah a lot of people yeah a lot of people find it weird how much time we spend like not together and it's not even that we're like apart but, like, we'll just be sitting in the same apartment doing different things. And I think a lot of people find that weird. But we're, like, that's what works for us. Yeah. 
And I agree with that too. It took us a while to get into our own like little rhythm of not being like attached to each other's hip all the time. But that took time too because we moved somewhere new so we didn't know anybody else. But now um, we still check in with each other. Um, If Joseph's like, oh, I'm going to go play video games. Is that okay? I'm like, yes, leave me alone. I want my own time. Um, And it's even like for me to be like, yes, that's okay. To be like accepting of like, yeah, I need my own space. Like leave yeah um, yeah yeah and i think that's a really important place to get to in a relationship mm-hmm. is that when you when you're like i need you to leave me alone i need yeah. to be able to do my own stuff for a while but with um, like um get to get back to the book with dylan and addy i feel like they both were just in very very different places in their lives um mm-hmm. like she was a teacher and like in a very solid situation whereas dylan wasn't at all and there's nothing wrong at all with um wanting to take time to figure out where you are but if you and your partner need to be supporting each other it needs to be a two-way street and for this it seemed to just be like she was supporting him and it wasn't reciprocated very well for a chunk of the book um but i think beth o'leary did a very good job of um portraying that that like Mm -hmm. you need both sides to be equal to each other um and equal can come in many many different forms and that equalness can fluctuate over time but you need that um yeah um i'm gonna pause just for one sec yep um so yeah so i actually it's interesting because the fact that marcus is kind of like in the middle of their relationship Mm -hmm. that can really affect like there can only be two people in a, in a relationship. And I can or speak from experience. In our perspective, I, I guess there so. are people that that true. works for them and that's okay too, but for okay, us, but I feel yeah. like it did not work for Dylan and Addie as well. No, it did not because that wasn't like a consensual person being in their relationship. Like that wasn't yes. like an accepted thing on all parts. And that's yeah. f- for people that that's how they live their life. It's always like an everyone has to be fully accepting on all fronts this was not this was like a friend that was just too much of a friend in somebody's life and i yeah i like i know what that's like like it's kind of creepy like how i don't know it's not obviously the same but i feel like there was a lot of mirrors maybe that's just how beth like how great beth o'leary is that i can relate so well to her characters yeah but like like, obviously, we didn't meet in France, and it wasn't, like, some whirlwind romance <laughs> like that. But, like, yeah, like, I had a friend, like, Evan had a friend that I could not stand. And I thought that they were too close. And it, like, it really, really put a strain on our relationship. Yeah. And, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And, like, if you feel like you're, even if it's the other way around, like, like, if you feel like one of your best friends doesn't like your partner, like it's, it's challenging. It's, it's easy to say like, Oh, I love them. So it doesn't matter. But like, obviously they're also like your really good friend. So you want to take their opinion. And it's just, it just take like puts such a strain on a relationship because it's like, well, who, who do I trust? Mm-hmm. You, you feel like you can't even trust yourself at that point. It's like, am I, Am I wrong for feeling the way that I do? 
Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, I think that that was just, like, um, an interesting an interesting thing to have in the book because I feel like that's a, probably a, a thing that a lot of people deal with at some point in, in in some of their relationships. It's like, well, my best friend doesn't like my partner. What am I supposed to do with that information? Yeah. It's like, you know how you feel, but also is there something that you're not seeing? Because like we said, when you're in the heat of a new like relationship, you, you can't really see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Yeah. And you definitely so, like if you feel that their attention is like maybe elsewhere too, you're like, well, you there's like feelings of like inadequacy and things that can come into play. And mm-hmm. yeah, it and can I be think tough. With Dylan's like mental state, it was even more like more yeah, it was of definitely, a challenge for him. Definitely exacerbated because, be- because um, he just like, he was in such a, such a place where he just felt lost. Mm hmm. And when you feel like you can't listen to yourself, like even like I said, when I was reading, like he was talking about listening to his gut and it's like, well, how do you know what like when if- you can't even trust yourself? How do you know that your gut is telling you the right thing? Like, I- yeah. And he felt that his gut was telling him stay with Addy. But Marcus mm-hmm. was like, that's not your gut. That's your dick. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, and it's very um, contradicting and confusing to have so many like opinions all over the place and like i know in a sense um like the person i dated previously when they were at home with me my parents would be like look whenever they tried to voice their opinion of like this person is not good for you you need to like um well i don't think they ever explicitly said i needed to move on but they would sometimes be like that person wasn't good for you and even after we broke up um sometimes be like oh i'm so glad to have you back in my life and i'm like i was never gone i was maybe under the influence of somebody else but like at the time i loved that person and to me you weren't respectful of that but now having some perspective on that relationship itself it was an emotionally abusive relationship and manipulative but at the time i don't want to hear any of that and even no immediately after i still don't want to hear any of that I was like, don't talk ill of the person because it made me feel like a fool because I was with them for close on four years. Like, and then I was like, well, was those four years a waste of my life? Did I just lose four years? But Mm -hmm. I didn't. There was so much other things that happened in my life that were meaningful during that time. But to have the people that you love say those things, there's a bit of hurt there. Um, But those kinds of things, I think with time, you gain a better perspective and you realize, well, they were trying to look out for me. That was just their way of showing that they were looking out for me. Um, well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like, I feel like you get defensive, kind of. Like, yeah, you're like, most I'm not... definitely. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, especially me, <laughs> like, my kind of personality, where it's like, as soon as you tell me to do something, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. So I feel like that's where a lot of my issues came in with my parents. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... It's a it's a hard place. It's a hard place to be in a relationship mm-hmm. when there's like so many people trying to tell you your relationship is this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So ultimately, <laughs> I I don't I don't want to spoil the ending because I want I want people to read it if you, if you feel like you liked what I had to say about the book and I really I really do recommend it. I recommend it to anybody who 
likes romance, any anybody who likes just a good story. Because I think ultimately, in the end, that's what Beth O'Leary does is mm-hmm. a great story. And I actually really like, because there's so many like series now and everybody is trying to turn all of their books into series. I really like that they're just like standalone books that you can read and it's kind of wrapped up nicely at the end. Yeah. And you're ha- you're happy with your char- like the way the character is finished up. So I really like that about her books. So I mm-hmm. definitely would recommend them. And my rating is five stars because I fucking love Beth O'Leary and she's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And e- uh, also the covers it's so appealing. Um, yeah, you know, I so ordered nice. my own copy of the flat share from the Canadian fucking publisher, and I don't like it as much as the <laughs> one yeah. that you have. I like the book, but the, this one is like two people on the other side of doors, and I'm just like, Ugh. but at least I have my own copy now, yeah, so that I can read it whenever I want. Whereas the British one's a bed because they actually yeah. share a bed. Um, well, and even the one like the road trip is like more similar to the British one because it's like kind of like that animated kind of like art style yeah and it's like the little mini on the front um yeah i don't know anyway that's not the point the point is this book is very cute yes the cover art is very cute i highly recommend it and that's my story yay woohoo well then nikki we did it you did it sweating sweating oh yeah well so i'm gonna talk about Another Instabuy author who we mentioned previously, Taylor Jenkins Reid, who wrote mm. Daisy Jones and the Six. And I also looked up because I realized I've only read two of her books the one yeah. I'm going to talk about and Daisy Jones and the Six. I do currently own um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, and I started it, but I started it while I was on the East Coast for the summer, and it is still on the East Coast. It will be <laughs> mailed to me at some point, but I don't actually have it physically in my apartment. So um, I've only read her two latest books because I didn't know what order they were in either, but I've now looked them up. She has... She has a bunch more that she wrote. seven like... books. Um, yeah. So I actually like... found out that I had one downloaded. It's in oh, like really? I have one, like I have an ebook. It's called. Um... Well, I can read them all out. So her for, her debut novel was Forever Interrupted, and it came that out. That one in sounds depressing as hell. Can uh, you read the like? Description no, of that I have one? not read the description of it. <sighs> Fuck. And then... I almost downloaded that one, but it sounds really scary and depressing. <laughs> then after I do, which came out the year later, um, maybe in another life in 2015, one true loves. In 2016. I think it's that one. Okay. And then The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo in 2017. J- Daisy Jones and the Six in 2019. And then Malibu Rising in 2020. So she was also pumping out a book a year <laughs> until yeah. it got to like um, 2020. But in all honesty, everyone needed a year off in 2020. Because True. even tw- 2018, she had a year off from novels, but she did write a short story. Um, oh, okay. But also if you're... Um, cracking out like books all the time like that must be exhausting um Mm. but oh and how do you just come up with yeah how do you come up with stuff all the time but i'm just reading here on her wikipedia page her 2019 novel daisy jones and the six is being developed into a web-based miniseries by amazon studios also called daisy jones and the six which 
was the one that I thought I was telling Nikki new new information, but she'd all she was the one who originally told me. It will be co-produced by Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon, she is another one who is like doing all the shit all the yeah, time. Yeah. She has always busy. a book club. She probably has a podcast too. She is <laughs> in things. She's producing things. Yeah. I'm like girl you, you make me exhausted um i know i don't know how she does it how does she have the time because she has kids too yeah and we don't have kids well you have two fur kids but um yeah i don't know how people do shit no, ever i don't know either so anyway today i'm gonna discuss malibu rising and it i did write a synopsis for this um <laughs> But because I read the book so long ago, I was looking up another person's synopsis on the book, which then when you were reading the back of the road trip, I was like, oh, I wonder what the synopsis is for Malibu Rising. And the person who had written the synopsis had just taken the synopsis from the book (laughs) cover. So I was like, see, don't make it for yourself. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll just read the book one because it's better than my one. Um, Right. So... Malibu, August 1983. It's the day of Nina Riva's annual end of summer party, and the anticipation is at a fever. Is at fever. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna start this sentence again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's what minute thirteen. Okay, cut that. Um, Malibu, August 1983. It's the day of Nina Riva's annual end of summer party, and the and anticipation is at a fever pitch. Everyone wants to be around the famous rivers. Nina, the talented surfer and supermodel. Brothers Jay and Hud, one a championship surfer, the other a renowned photographer. And their adored baby sister, Kit. Together the siblings are a source of fascination in Malibu and the world over, especially as the offspring of the legendary singer Mick River. The only person not looking forward to the party of the year is Nina herself, who never wanted to be the centre of attention, and who has just been very publicly abandoned by her pro-tennis player husband. Oh, and maybe Hud, because it is long past time for him to confess something to his brother from whom he's been inseparable since birth. Jay, on the other hand, is counting the minutes until nightfall, when the girl he can't stop thinking about promises promised she'd be there and kit has a couple secrets of her own including a guest she invited without consulting anyone by midnight the party will be in will be completely out of control by morning the river mansion will have gone up in flames but before that first spark in the early hours before dawn the alcohol will flow the music will play and the loves and secrets that shaped this family's generations will all come rising to the surface. Malibu Rising is a story about one unforgettable night in the life of a family, the night they each have to choose what they will keep from the people who made them and what they will leave behind. Excellent synopsis, Kirsty. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Wrote it myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Malibu Rising, I thought was an incredible book um again though like um beth o'leary it isn't my favorite of taylor jenkins reed so i've only read two daisy jones and the six was my favorite so far 
I just found it was a very unique way of writing a novel. But mm. I also did really like the way that Malibu Rising was written um, with the kind of two 12-hour like, slots. So the book is yeah. kind of split into two parts. It starts at 7 in the morning and goes till 7 p.m. And then the second part is 7 p.m. till 7 in the morning. So it is really interesting to see how like that one 24-hour period of time completely flips this family's world on its head and it's not like this family hasn't been through enough shit like by this point their dad like he woos their mom and then they fall in love and have kids and he's just once his music career takes off is like leads a very adulterous lifestyle and then basically abandons his family so I don't have much sympathy for him because I was like, you could have had it all, bud. You could have had this beautiful family. And not that he didn't have it all in his, like, for some people, that's maybe what they want with life. But for other people, um, maybe not. But he could have had this whole family situation. And then at one point tries to come back in. And it's like, dude, (sighs) you had it all. Why are you, like, trying and like even at the beginning of his career he he managed to keep the whole family situation going and his music career and then it was just like he gave up the ghost and his family yeah and it was like dude no um and then expected to like come home and everything be normal and it's like you're off fathering other children like what are you doing with your life like okay so i just finished this book today yay (laughs) And um, as I was, like, going, I was getting so stressed out by the book that Evan was like, what's happening? So I was, like, giving him little snippets and, like, telling him about what was stressful. Mm -hmm. And he was like, at one point, he was literally just like, is this shitty men the book? And I was like, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, this, I don't, like, and I don't know if I loved his ending. And I'm not going to spoil it, but, like. I might spoil it. But um, I just feel like him as a character, I I hated him mm -hmm. from like the first time he left and then decided to come back. Yeah, I was like, and to start off with, I was like, when he's like wooing their mom and like takes them out for dinner, it's all good until he like, you're pretty sure he he straight up like doesn't pay in the restaurant. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a bit shady. But um. I'm like, well, he's young and, like, kind of yeah. stupid, so, like, and he probably doesn't have a lot of money because he's trying to, like, subsidy his, like, music career with, like, other means of work, too, so I can I can get that, but then once his career starts taking off, it's like, dude, stop being so shitty. Like, you yeah. don't have to be a complete asshole, like, and this person, like, this lady worships the, like, ground you walk on, like, what are you doing yeah. with your life? And that that was the worst thing to see, honestly. It's because like Yeah, like the decay of even her. after Yeah, even after like he fucks her over so many times mm-hmm. she still like is obsessed with him and like to to be fair, I mean I'm sure it's happened to everybody where it's like you're that like hell bent on somebody who's bad for you, but like 
Oh, God, it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And, like, honestly, it was one thing for him to abandon her. Mm -hmm. Like, that is fucking one thing. Yeah. But the fact that he abandons all of his children and then he keeps, like, in his mind, he keeps saying, like, oh... I just like every time it was like his is like his his perspective in the book. And he was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I should call my kids or, oh, man, you know, I'm really missing my kids. And it's like you fucking lost that privilege. Yeah, you lost the privilege to have anything to do with their lives. And the fact that like he would have known that like she passed away. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew that her funeral was happening, Mm -hmm. like the mom's funeral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she dies spoiler <laughs> but <laughs> shit shit god damn it um, but he had the choice to walk back into their lives and then and that would have been a good time to that do would it have been an excellent if you were time gonna do it because his eldest daughter nina then raised her siblings because she didn't want them to be taken into care so she was she was like what 16 or 17 she was under the legal age that she would have been allowed to like have kept her siblings I think, but I think they like was... flew under the radar on that one, and she just like raised them without like, um, like the state getting involved. And now, fair enough, this would have been like the late seventies, so like, would the state have been involved? Eh, <laughs> probably not. But it was easier to fly under the radar of not having the state involved at that point in time. Nowadays, yeah. that would not that shit would not fly. Um, yeah. Or at least, like, in, like, the US and Canada and the UK. I don't think that that would fly. But, um, yeah, like, what a shit of a person, like, to just, just, like, utterly abandon. And particularly, he did have a close relationship with Nina. And, like, he had, the, of all of the, his kids, she was the one that he had the closest bond with and everything. And he yeah. just, like, utterly fucked her right over. Um, yeah. in the life department um i mean like pr- i gotta say though props to taylor jenkins reed for like writing this character yeah because it's like it's just like the hatred is like real yeah. i was like and when this you guys the fucking worst when you take like the character in um i can't remember his name but in daisy jones and the six there's almost like a parallel situation that happens because it's right. almost oh, yeah. like, like identical like the main Billy guy? yeah yes. like almost yeah. a parallel situation but he turns his life around and mm-hmm. like decides and makes a conscious decision that nah I made a commitment to this person I married them and I'm gonna do better in my life to provide for the people that I I made and like yeah. committed my life to so to then have this book where like Mick is like the complete opposite of that. He still gets all the fame and all of that stuff, but just was not there person. for his children at all. And yeah, just like yeah. And I I'm not a fan of um not that probably anybody's a fan of like adultery, but um that's like my one no in relationships. Like yeah. um there's no like two strikes you're out, five strikes you're out, one strike you're gone like yeah that is a no-go for me um and luckily my husband knows that not that he <laughs> is the kind of person that would do that anyway but i made it very clear early on um 
But anyway, other than that, the book is, I did find it a very good summer read. Yeah. I read it at the beginning of summer and I burned through it very, very quickly. Um, it is a nice quick read. Like it is easy. Yeah. It's easy to read and it's and like I, a good story that makes you want to keep, keep yeah. going. And I felt it really drew you in and as much as it was set within a 24 hour period, there was so much flashback. You kind of like, I, it's times I kind of even forgot that I was meant to be within this 24 hour period um, mm-hmm. that I was like so immersed in like the history of this family that when they would flip back to like the present time in the book, um, I'd be like, oh yeah, shit, we're like way further on in their lives than um, they are as children. Um, but I thought it was yeah. really neat to have that perspectives of them flashing back as children so you really understood like they're kind of like biography through time. Um, it wasn't just like, Oh yeah, this kind of thing happened. There being like one or two flashbacks. Like they really, she really dug into this is who these people are, and like Malibu is ingrained in their lives. Like it's not just like oh I'm from Malibu, but they are like from there. They like surf all the time. Like they have their family restaurant there. Their house is like, or their childhood home is built like into the water. They are so ingrained in their life there um and you really really got that and i think a lot of that was given through like the detail in the book and from the surroundings to what they were wearing um taylor jenkins mm-hmm. reed did her she does such a phenomenal job of like immersing you into that like world of early 1980s california and i think that that made me feel like the book was really visually impressive um to help me create the world that i was reading yeah that's like one of the things i think that she does really excellently Mm -hmm. as an author is like as soon as i started reading the book i was like i was in it yeah and And it gives you such a clear like picture in your mind of exactly like how things look and what it would be like and how it would feel and the smells and like everything like you 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 really feel like you're in it and it's funny because i actually then like um Nina's fancy mansion house is at Point Doom and which isn't Point Doom as in like oh my god Doom it's (laughs) D-U-M-E and I looked up Point Doom and it is exactly how I imagined it to be like if you look it up I was like on Google Maps and then like put you can put your like little Google Earth person onto the beach and Mm. there's like these you can see stairways coming down from like the houses like up on the top of the cliff there's like those stairways walking down and then this like beach it's absolutely like pretty much exactly how i imagined her house to be and then like zuma beach is just along the coast and that's where um hud has his um airstream trailer position so like Mm -hmm. you can really like she built it up so well that when I was then looking at Google Maps, I was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how I imagined it. Like, I didn't... And I've never been to California. I've never, yeah. like, all I've seen is through, like, movies and stuff, which also, yeah. um, the one movie while I was reading uh, Malibu Rising and Daisy Jones and the Six, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by um, mm. Quentin Tarantino that movie was like oh yeah that's like the landscape of what we're dealing with here like where like the sun makes it kind of like 
almost like that misty kind of quality when it's like really like hazy and like yeah it's like kind of dusty in the air that's like pretty much exactly what i imagined this to be like um and i like it was very impressive to me that a book was so descriptive but not like descriptive in a boring sense because i've read books before and i'm like all right you're describing a tree to me and like i know what a tree (laughs) is i don't need you to detail that out for me but this was done in like such a natural way it felt like it didn't feel like laborious that this world she was creating was like too too much description but it made it so you were just like plopped into that world yeah well i think she must i think she lives in california Ooh, does she no i don't know if she lives in california but she, yep she like, lives in la I, so oh. <laughs> that makes sense but she grew up in massachusetts um oh okay yeah well yeah because like every i think i just think it's interesting because like every sunday she posts like um surfing sundays she does like a oh. thing on, her, or on her instagram where she just posts a bunch of videos of people surfing and I just thought that that was interesting. Like, even before I, like, read the book, I knew, like, she was into surfing because I follow her on Instagram and she, like, posts all this, like, all these surfing videos. Oh, well, I didn't know that, but that's so, cool. Um, yeah. And, like, like, she's, like... I'm, like, I'm from a surfing town. So it was kind of neat. To, really? Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Fraser. I didn't know you could surf in Scotland. Yeah. It's really cold. Um <laughs> But yeah, Fraserburgh Beach is like really, really good for surfing. And yeah, so it was kind of neat. Like I was like, oh, like I like I I don't surf, but like it was kind of neat to have like that parallel of like, oh, cool. I can relate to like seeing the surfers and like because like I lived my whole life by the sea um, until I moved to Canada. Um, Knowing like those forecasts and like predicting like, oh, when's going to be good swells and stuff like that. When you live right on the water and from like a huge fishing town, those kind of things like kind of ingrain themselves more in your head than what you realize until somebody mentions them. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I know about that. And they're like, why do you know about that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of neat, too, that I could kind of relate to like a life on the water um yeah my house wasn't on the water but like I've lived like close-ish and like whenever it was nice and sunny or not as it's very rare um (laughs) going out into the water and having like days at the beach like the beach is right there for you to use so like that kind of lifestyle that that easy yeah it's just like ingrained like you said like it's ingrained yeah in your way of life and it's like your life kind of revolves i wouldn't know being from saskatchewan (laughs) anytime we see anytime we see open water we're like like amazed by it yeah anytime when we were living in nova scotia anytime we would take our family to just to see like it could have been the worst corner of the ocean but if it was open water they were amazed yeah whereas i grew up like on the east coast of scotland where it's like it opens up to the north sea but then on the other coast there's the atlantic yeah it was very much brought up (laughs) right on the water um yeah so with the like as much as it was a very descriptive book too i also thought that the characters were also fairly complex for a summer read usually summer reads are very fluffy and light but i think even with both of our books um as much as they were like very easy to read and the flow was very quick um 
the characters are all very complex and it's not just mm-hmm. like there's two or two or three characters there's a like a bunch of characters cool. yeah. um in the book and they all have their own issues which are gone into quickly but also like in depth so you know there's no like ambiguity uh, like ambiguity to know what's going on in their life you know like oh they've gone through this shit um well up until a certain point when she explains what they've gone through but even like characters that are introduced fairly late on um like casey she um she you understand that she's fairly complex but she's only introduced from like the evening on um so in the second half of the book um and there were like when i go to like maybe like my dislikes there were some parts of the book that were kind of predictable but i also think that's expected to an extent with um like any sort of book that there are going to be like rhythms that come so you can kind of like tell where things are going but there was also other things that i didn't guess where it was going like yeah with nina her life she obviously was not very happy um so for a moment i did think that she was gonna end her life but you could almost tell that this was going to be the refresh and restart that she needed in her life which spoiler that is what happens she cuts (laughs) off from her life which she needed to but I wouldn't necessarily say that that was 100% predictable, but it was to an extent. Um, well, I, I actually think that it's kind of, it's interesting how like her life was kind of like paralleling. Yeah. Paralleling like with, life. yeah, her mom's. And then it gets to the point where, um, actually I, I have a bit um, looked out. Um, let's see where she, um, which I think is kind of like a very good thing. I, I'll read this out. Um, this is at the very end of the book. So if you want to read this and don't want to hear it, just like peace out for a second. Skip, skip forward. Yeah. <laughs> so Nina looked at HUD. HUD looked at Jay. Yeah, Jay said. Kit's right. Mom wouldn't want you to stay here so you could run the restaurant. Mom would have hated that. That was true, wasn't it? And yet here Nina was, holding on to it, simply because her mother had carried it before her. Nina suddenly had a picture in her head. It was as if June had given her a box. As if every parent gives their children a box, full of the things they carried. June had given her children this box, packed to the brim with her own experiences, her own treasures and heartbreaks, her own guilts and pleasures, triumphs and losses, values and biases, duties and sorrows, and Nina had been carrying around this box her whole life, feeling the full weight of it. But it was not, Nina saw just then, her job to carry the full box. Her job was to sort through the box, to decide what to keep, and to put the rest down. She had to choose what of the things she'd inherited from the people who came before her. She wanted to bring forward and what of the past she wanted to leave behind. And so she put de- put down the restaurant, just as her mother would have wanted her to, and when she let it go, she let it go for June too. Which, oh, that yeah. hit me 
right mm-hmm. in the feels. Yeah. Because all of the things that our parents have gone through and our parents' parents and our parents' parents' parents, we don't need to carry that. We don't no. need to take any of their trauma or any of their heartbreaks or like the things that they have enjoyed. We don't have to take that on. We can pick and choose what we want, but we do not have to take on everybody's stuff that they have in their box. And that just really stood out to me because, like, the whole book, Nina feels this pressure of, like, she has to do all of these things and look after the people in her life. And at this point, those people in her life, they're like, Nina, we love you, but you don't need to care for us anymore. And I think that that's a really special moment that her siblings turn around and they're like, you need to, like, do you for a little while. You have, like, raised us. It's now our turn to, like, take care of the shit that hits the fan and you can like deal with your own life and what you want to do with your life you don't have to like be selling your like photo shoots of yourself like half naked on a beach anymore for us to survive um yeah yeah well and i think that um they do like she said like is there's something at the very end of the book that it's like it's some there is a kind of it's like caring for letting the people that you've cared for care for you mm-hmm. is like a form of let like letting also also of taking care of them because it's important to them to also like give that like reciprocate. Yeah. Kind of. So, I mean, I yeah, I thought that that was really interesting how like they um, like she realizes that them saying like we're good you don't have to take care of us anymore. Yeah. Like, that was a really important part of her, like, realizing, like, she can start taking care of herself now. Yeah. And, like, even the fact, that, like, something I learned when I was in, like, uh, counseling for a little while was how good do you feel when you feel like you can help somebody else? Like, yeah. when you reach out and they're like, yeah, I need your help. You feel so good about it. So why do you never reach out to ask for help from somebody um because that makes other people feel good when they can help you so why aren't you doing the same and I was like oh that makes a lot of sense like I'm always there to help other people but I'm never asking other people for help and other people like doing that for people like Mm -hmm. open up a little bit but that is a journey and (laughs) that takes time um but I just think it's really nice to like that the that was just before it hits like 7 a.m. the next morning. And I think it's just mm-hmm. really nice to have that moment of like full circle and she can do what she wants with her life now. Um, she's not like having to take on all the pressures that her mom left behind for her. And um, yeah, and her siblings yeah. are so supportive of her too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like as far as like taking on your parents' trauma, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, I I saved this one quote and it was, maybe our parents' lives are imprinted within us. Maybe the only fate there is, is the temptation of reliving their mistakes. Maybe, try as we might, we will never be able to outrun the blood that runs through our veins. Or, or maybe we are free the moment we're born. Maybe everything we've ever done is by our own hands. So it's like, which which is it? Like, are are you reliving your parents because like your parents mistakes and stuff like that because it's the only thing and that's like i feel like if you're 
I mean, if you're a good parent, I, not that I would know, but like if you're a parent who's trying to guide their kid in the right direction, you the last thing you want is for them to like relive your mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that happens so often is just because like if you only know how to do things a certain way, your kids are only going to know how to do it your, the yeah. way you know how to do it because they're learning from you. Yeah. And so much of um, learning as a kid is mirroring. And if you're only learning from the people who are making those mistakes, then it, it, it is going to repeat. But that doesn't yeah. mean that that has to happen or that it's like it's not even like your parents fault either to an extent um but it's also not your fault either because yeah as a child you mirroring is a huge part of like your development yeah yeah and like another one that i saved was this this is the one that i was like fuck mcreva because (laughs) like he is the fucking worst yeah because like because at the end okay like this is this is the thing that i was like I, am I supposed to feel sorry for him mm-hmm. at the end because he like okay spoiler if you if you don't if you want to, if you don't want to know what happens at the end skip ahead but like at the end he like says oh it's because or not even at the end you know what he does say this like kind of a couple times throughout the mm-hmm. book he's like the way I was raised the way I was raised that's why I am the way I am and I'm a shitty person and I can't ever be better because the way I was raised yeah and, and I just find that to be such a cop out because plenty of people have trauma yeah plenty of people have trauma and plenty of them turn out to be better for it or at least they can make themselves into a better version and they can cope with it without without using it as as an excuse Mm -hmm. and like the fact that he's like oh all of this stuff happened to you i i abandoned you and i was a horrible person because of the way i was brought up yeah and i I don't think that's that's not an okay excuse to use and I even yeah. liked the moment, like, very close to the end, after they've had, like, their whole, like, family moment together on the beach and stuff. Um, he he says, I believe this is my cue to leave. He entertained the fantasy that someone might try to stop him. Yeah. He wasn't too yeah. surprised when no one did. And it's like, you know, dude, like, you're not even surprised at the fact that your children don't stop you because they're like, nah, you need to go. Um yeah but yeah like even like he does that so many times it's like he has this fantasy in his head when like how things should go because he's he's the main character like he doesn't think about anybody but himself yeah and he feels that like um it's almost like having a convenient family when he wants to have a family when he wants to think about them that's Mm -hmm. all good for him Mm -hmm. but when it's not um convenient for him or when he doesn't want to have a family he just like disappears yeah, and exactly. that's not really, well, in my opinion, anyway, that's not what like a father should be there for or a parent. Yeah. Um. So the quote was, "But it made her even more angry that he had allowed her to lose what he himself had lost. He had all along known the cost of it and had done nothing to stop it from happening to her, too." Yeah. Ha! <sighs> oh, that just made me so mad because I was like. That's literally exactly what happened. He says, oh, like, my parents treated each other like shit. My parents killed, ended up, like, killing each other in the end. Mm-hmm. But that and, doesn't like, give you the excuse to do that or, like, keep perpetuating this, like, generational trauma throughout time. You don't have to keep doing that, dude. Like, you can well, break yeah, the cycle. Even, yeah, exactly. Not, not only that, 
it's like so you know how it felt yeah you knew how it felt and you still let it happen to your own children like i just lost all respect and like at the end i I kind of felt like hopeful and it kind of seemed like maybe they would keep in touch Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe not maybe i'm not reading it the right way but i was like it did seem hopeful of like potentially keeping in touch with him which I think is good in some ways, but I think it will be on their terms. And yeah. I don't think um, that it should be any other way because, like, Nina raised them. Nina is their parent, um, but she's also their sibling, so she doesn't have to. She shouldn't have to, she shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but overall, absolutely loved Malibu Rising. Yeah. I read it yeah. in, like, a very short space of time. <laughs> Um, I think I started it like on Tuesday and I finished it today. So I mean, yeah, full time and also doing that. That's pretty good. I feel yeah, like. and you're packing up your house too. So like, yeah, exactly. pretty good job. Um, yeah, I read it at the beginning of my trip back home um, in the summer. And yeah, I burned through the road trip and then went straight onto Malibu Rising and she's like, bam, bam, like two fantastic books. Um, yeah. And like, it's hard to start another one after that. Yeah. How can it be as good? Yeah. And at least those two, I knew they would be like good, like hard hairs for me. So like they would be fine. Um, but yeah, I haven't I have been like a slowpoke reader since. Um, but we had busy summers. So like. Yes, definitely. Um, but I would definitely recommend this book to anybody like your best friend that's heading to the beach or vacation yes yeah do it's a good it vacation read for sure yeah especially because it's set like at the end of summer so you get like all those like mm. summer vibes of like yeah. the sun and the ocean and yeah um, and it's like about rich people who like don't have any problem okay sorry no not that they don't have problems because clearly the whole book is about their problems but like they <laughs> can do what they want with their time that's always nice it's like a fantasy yeah but also but, at like- the same time um Oh god, that thought disappeared very quickly. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's not coming back. I'm trying so hard to take it back. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I guess it's we just gone. have to get used to that happening. But for other people yep. to listen to the fact that thoughts disappear, yeah. So um, <laughs> you'd recommend? It. I would recommend it, and. Um, even before the book like officially starts, there's a very good like um, section at the beginning of the book that like explains about Malibu, and it gives yeah, like I a severe that. like hint because like you know like it reads in the synopsis like Nina's house ends up on fire, um, but I'll read that snippet to like end off. Um, so the Malibu fire of 1983 started out. Not in the dry hills, but on the coastline. It began at 28150 Cliffside Drive on Saturday, August 27th at the home of Nina River during one of the most notorious parties in Los Angeles history. The annual party grew wildly out of control around midnight. By 7am, the coastline of Malibu was engulfed in flames because just as it is in Malibu's nature to burn, so was it in one particular person's nature to set fire and walk away yeah so the whole time you're also thinking like who set this fire off like and then i would forget about it for a second and then i would be like oh yeah somebody sets this place on fire 
Um, well, and the way it happens is just so like you're expecting this big event and it's just kind of like a throwaway moment at the very end of the book. And it's 100 like, percent throwaway moment. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that's a huge spoiler. But yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, I would was, give this book also like a, a four and a half star. Like uh-huh. I think it's very close to the top, but I think if we're rating between Taylor Jenkins read books. I would say Daisy Jones and the Six gets a five star for me, but four and a half. I think it's still an absolutely fantastic book, and it delves into so many different like, um, like abuse problems, like addiction problems, and mm. but in like a a good way. She like, <laughs> I don't know. She just does a very good job of navigating the like the shit that comes along with those and like how people like ride the waves like of dealing with like family members who have like those problems yeah i I think it's more like what's interesting about her like bringing up all of those issues it's like it's more about how like it impacts yeah and how the family like overall like the river children like they came out the other side of this and they are good people like they're mm-hmm. they managed to turn their lives around and at the very end they're flipping the narrative they're changing up so it does not become a generational yeah. thing they're yeah like killing that off and being like no this is not continuing um further so yeah malibu rising what a great book yay yeah. and because we talked about the cover of the road trip too very pretty cover oh, love it yes. um so nice you did mention that the uk one you liked better and i do like the uk one too but i do like the canadian one that came out um yeah the uk the uk one is really pretty mm-hmm. like but i think that it's like um, this one's very striking yeah. with like the blue and then the pink and the yellow standing out in the front um yeah it definitely like, gives you I like summer that it vibes had, like yeah, I liked that it had like the four surfers. Yeah, which like represents like, so it kind of gives you a hint. Members. Yeah, yeah, it kind of gives you a hint of like what I like that in covers. I like that like when they give you little like pieces yeah. of what the what the book's gonna be about. Yeah, like so, tidbits. I like that one a lot. Yeah, yay! Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that is the first. I can't believe I'm saying this. That is the first episode done yeah first episode of dear bear book club podcast and it's been like like two hours (laughs) oh my god it's so i can't i i was worried that it was going to be too short but oh my god for two hours hopefully Um, people want to listen for two hours of their life i hope so too um yeah well i mean if you liked what you hear please rate us um i don't know what do people say rate, rate review us and on, subscribe i think is yes the... on apple podcasts or wherever you like to listen yeah and that's it for us this week we'll see you guys later bye bye <laughs>
again, we just wanted to add a few quick announcements to keep you informed. Our episodes right now are really long, so we are going to be releasing them every second Thursday. This might change in the future, and if it does, we will let you know on here and on our Instagram page. Secondly, we would also like to announce that we are going to do a read-along book. Every fourth episode we release will be a read-along episode. This is to give you, our listeners, the chance to source and read the book if you want, and to read ahead for that episode. These episodes may also include special guests. The first read-along book we have selected is Sally Rooney, Beautiful World, Where Are You? That episode will be airing on Thursday, February 17th. Happy reading!